Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Interview Show. This is episode 633. We've got a great guest. I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. We've got Nathan Monk, the co-founder from Smile. Smile is a digital agency that has a niche in the higher education sector, also has produced its own platform, which was talked about recently on the Tavern. They're doing some interesting things. I haven't got my co-host. I know that's a great disappointment tribe, but he's off doing some real work. But he will be back next week, the beloved Stephen. I'm going to let Nathan introduce themselves and then I'm going to talk about our major sponsor and then we're going to be off. So, Nathan, can you give us your 30-second elevation pitch um, and then we'll get on with the interview? Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Nathan uh, from Smile. And Smile is a company that helps higher education uh, institutions and organisations with uh, all manner of things on the internet. Um, so we help senior leaders with digital strategies and often the output is websites. Uh, they're typically high-profile uh, flagship builds, as we call them, with complex system integrations. Uh, and that's what I do at Smile. That sounds great. And like I say, before I go into our sponsor advert, what we're going to be discussing with Nathan is obviously Smile, its history, how he got into the WordPress ecosystem. Then probably in the second half, we're going to be talking about the Pacific um, positive and negative parts about his particular niche in the higher educational um, sector, um, which should be of great interest to you, the developer implementers out there. And then probably in the bonus content, we'll talk about, you know, based on my own experience, and I'd be interested to see uh, Nathan's response, you know, the problems when you're dealing with large organisations that are mostly Microsoft uh, based and how you integrate WordPress or other open source systems into a culture that is either Microsoft or Oracle based. Should be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. But before we go into the meat and potatoes, I want to talk about our great sponsor. Obviously, if you're a regular listener, our sponsor's founder was on the show last week. I was traveling and going to a conference, but um, Stephen and Andrew did a great job, and that was Castos. Castos has become a great platform if you're interested in getting involved in podcasting for yourself or for clients. You need a consistent RSS feed and other elements that will make your podcasting experience much more joyful. Uh, Castos is just a great platform and a great team. The other factor is they've got honest, upfront pricing. You just pay one price and you're not penalised for success. I, you can do as many podcasts and have as many downloads as you like and you won't be charged anything different. So you know from day one what your costs are going to be. 
You cannot say that with a lot of the other platforms. I do know that you're going to say, well, Jonathan, some of them are free. The truth is nothing is for free. And when you look in, they have bandwidth limits and they also sell your data to third-party people. Castos does not do that. Go over there. I suggest you buy one of their plans and please, please tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic podcast. It helps them and it really supports the show. So, Nathan, let's go into it. What, you know, what's your, how did you start in WordPress and then how did that lead to being the co-founder of Smart? I mean, my, my experience with WordPress goes way, way back. Uh, I remember being at, at high school and um, just kind of really getting into web development stuff. And, you know, before long, you come across WordPress in some way or another. Uh, and did a, a few bits there. I actually had a few kind of bad experiences, which turned me off, just not just from WordPress, but from just web development for a, for a while. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised. <laughs> And um, then, then I then I, I went to university and I studied like a, a visual communication is what I studied, and as part of that, I picked up web development again uh, because it, it just seemed like a good way for me to separate myself, I guess, from from other people that that perhaps ha- hadn't had that experience and stuff, and actually just started to enjoy it again. Towards the end of u- my university studies, I met with a uh, my no- now co-founder, and we we, um, we we graduated in the height of the um, financial crisis back in two thousand and nine. You know, this was a time you where you are people- making me feel very old <laughs> very quickly, Nathan. Do you know that? <laughs> Sorry. Um, but that was a time, you know, when in particularly in design communities, big agencies were asking students to pay for for work experience. It was it was nuts then, and me and me and a friend, we were like, oh no, this this isn't the way. We're not going to pay for that. And we said, oh, you know, my friend came to me. Have you ever considered? Starting your own agency, I was like, I, no, I haven't. And then just it, that that whole notion got completely out of control. And then, so I remember for our, our final major project at university, we'd put this agency together, we'd like rented a studio and everything. And then, you know, the 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 day after we graduated, we were like, right, we're this business now. Better better go and do it. And for the better part of four years, we kind of. You know the the typical kind of startup struggles and stuff like that, and then later down that journey, you don't mind me asking how you know how did you get your initial customers? You know, you know, you start this, you know, know nothing fundamentally about yeah. running an agency. The well, the main thing is you know lead generation and. Getting, you know, when you start, you have to literally take any client that comes on your radar and you have to deal with their madness uh, <laughs> um, as well. But how how did you get into a position where you started having a, a reasonable flow of leads? Um, you know, we were kind of lucky at university. We'd entered 
this me and a group of friends we'd we'd entered a few competition briefs and things like that and and won and and got paid work off the back of those some lecturers at university kind of introduced us to people like industry briefs and things like that so we'd managed to develop a bit of a fledgling portfolio be- before we we were out there um no, but- that's great my i went to angular um university uh, i think they're called the ruskin angular yeah. university and it was um i went as a mature student in the night well it was important I was, i'm the only person in my family ever to go to university and I had this romantic and it was a it was a I was in full-time employment running a successful business oh man and I went there and I I wasn't prepared to spend four or five years as a part-time student so I went as a full-time and it was a total waste of money and time I actually knew (laughs) I actually knew more about web development and design than most of my lectures literally it was a a total but the only thing is that it was before the massive student loan racket was imposed upon students um so it didn't actually cost me any money so that was the only good aspect um I'm just saying that to warn people. The only other thing is a year after I graduated, I decided I wanted an MA for some bizarre reason. And I went to the London School of Print and Design. And (laughs) as a part-time, it it was an 18-month course. And I only had to attend one day a week. And the rest I could do remotely. And it was a joyous experience. They were really a fantastic crowd. The lecturers actually worked in the industry as graphic designers or developers. And it was a totally different experience. I learned an enormous amount. And it just shows you, it just varies, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, I I had my fair share of of bad experiences at university as I did good ones. Um, I think it's just what you make out of the good ones that that you kind of take away from I, I i don't going into university i had no expectation of starting a business or anything like that and it was honestly by chance that my now co-founder came over to me in the library and just said have you ever thought about starting your own agency with me sort of thing and like i say it spiraled from there but the the thing that we we, we really struggled with was was the business side of things for, for years you know we were we were very young and naive and thought that things would roll into us and we very quickly found out that that's not how it works at all um and we were we were kind of lucky enough i guess to some extent to, to survive those first years and get through them and the hard work and perseverance I hope has has paid off, and from from there, you know, we we kind of got what I see as our first big break, which was where we somebody had heard about us through all these various different creative things that we'd done on websites and stuff, and they happened to work at a local university, and and that was initially how we got into this vertical of the education sector. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, um, what were the initial challenges and um, what was, you know, if you can't discuss it, you might have sent a, signed a non-disclosure agreement. I don't know, but if you did, no. just tell us. But can you um, tell us what that gig was and how did it pan out? Yeah, I mean, the the, the job ended up being um, something that we called a virtual campus. Uh, and... <laughs> 
uh, ultimately, it's not actually what I think you would think it to be in 2021 in hindsight. It was actually like this kind of Google Maps overlay of their campus. And we dropped all of these different pins of different types in there. So you could explore the campus, you know, digitally and, and, and all this sort of stuff. And we'd embedded video and embedded 360 stuff. And, you know, at the time it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty out there. It was, it was ahead of its time to some extent, or at least that's what I like to tell myself. Um, but the, the, the challenges of course were, were not really the job, wasn't the project that was the problem. It was, kind of getting through the door in the first place and um it was our first experience in um having to pitch and tender for a job at a quite serious procurement level and, and stuff like that so the i mean to, today we we've obtained most of our larger clients by competitive tenders and stuff like that and the we won one this year and it took over 12 months. The process of winning the job took over 12 months to get there. But this this was a bit smaller back then. But it was still three bids. You had to do a written submission. Um, then you had to come and do a presentation and you had to, you know, meet the brief and all those sorts of things. And, you know, that 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 was an uh, an eye-opener for us. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of conversation, right, about procurement tenders and free free pitching and all that sort of stuff. Um, and for for a long time, we've 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 done yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to be delving into all this in the second half in the bonus because I don't know if you're going to agree. We've we're, we're got a couple of minutes before we have to go for our break, Nathan. But it's so easy to underbid for these type of contracts and find out when you actually look at the amount of hours that you're working for minimum wage, that you've, it's actually damaged your business rather than be, the only good thing is that if you just, you hope they're going to open more doors for you, but you can't keep doing jobs where you're hardly making any money and it, and you're making less than a minimum wage, can you? Yeah, it's very true. It's definitely one of the bigger pitfalls to watch out for and it it's so easy to underbid when you're in a pre-bid situation isn't it yeah the, the, there's um the, there's a lot of different types of, of tenders and they can make it much harder sometimes as well you know you get there's some tenders where there's there's literally no budget guidance at all so you kind of just pitching out there and taking against the brief and sometimes you you know you get the range of of stuff and you're like well obviously i need to be at the lower end of that to to win the job and there's other tenders where they're like well the lowest bid will get 100% of the the mark for this and suddenly you find yourself in kind of a race for the bottom to some extent and and that's 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 dangerous, you know, that, that is dangerous because I think it, it makes you question the value and worth of your time. And I think that's one thing that you need to be really confident about is this is how I this is how I price the the way that that we bid for work and that's well you've got to be you've got to be in a financial position where you can just walk away from the job. Yeah. 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 And and, and yeah. in the formative years of business, that can be really difficult because 
that's where every contract counts, right? And it's really difficult. But you 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 can't see the wood for the trees, like you said, because some sometimes it's counterintuitive. And whilst you may have won the contract, you may have won the money. You're over-servicing that well, job. Well, it's very, it's very similar to our, our personal lives. As you get a little bit mature, it's you you concentrate on finding the right partner, finding the person to share your life. But the truth is, the key to it is knowing when to walk away from the wrong people mm. uh, and walk away quicker than later from you. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that, do they, Nathan? Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And uh, that that kind of, you know, not all contracts are good contracts either. You can sometimes find yourself in almost toxic relationships in a work context as well, you know. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, I think it's time for us to go for our break. When we come back, we're going to – I think it's been – I've been talking a little bit too much, I feel. But uh, hopefully I've contributed a little bit and haven't spoiled the interview for you, Tribe. Um, but I think it's been a great interview and we've got some great useful insights for you. Um, we'll be back in a few moments. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Plus, if you go to the WP Tonic website, backlink newsletter, you'll get an amazing deal of the Launch Flows lifetime deal. I think you almost get a third off, which is just amazing. And it's just an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Please show your support for Launch Flows, who's a sponsor of the WP Tonic podcast and for the show itself. It's much appreciated. We're coming back. We've got the co-founder of Smile, Nathan Monk. We've been talking about his niche, his experience. I think it's been great. Also, I just want to point out, you've listened um, to um, Launch Flows advert, and both with Launch Flows and Castos, they're offering a great special deals to the WP Tonic tribe. Um, with Castos, you get six months uh, at 50% reduction, for launch flows, you get a special lifetime deal. All you have to do is go to the WP Tonic back, backlink newsletter and you will see those special offers and you want to take them out. So, Nathan, um, right, so what? So you kind of built this niche, you know, you got your first break. It led to some other work. And then you came on my, like we were discussed before we got, we went live. You got on my radar about that piece in the tavern and about you attempting to build out a more flexible, more, this is my interpretation of the piece, is that you're attempting to build out a more flexible, uh, more focused 
subtake of WordPress that's really focused on higher education, but still open source in its fundamentals and philosophy. Would I be correct in that summary? I think that's a pretty pretty good summary, actually, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd be happy to talk to you about how we got to that point um, and kind of how we got there. Um, so after we kind of won that first job in higher ed, we found out that as a community, higher ed you know, it, word spreads and people talk. And as a, I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> but it's a, it's it's a great thing when you do good work. It's absolutely fantastic. If you ever Higher have education a education and gossiping, I would never, <laughs> I would never believe it. But that, that's that. We we quickly won more work just through word of mouth, and eventually we decided to double down. So th- at that time, we were still kind of traversing many different sectors and trying to kind of jack of all trades, if you like. And then we made this decision a couple of years in after we picked up more work that we were going to really double down on the higher ed space and and become a, a digital agency for higher ed. And and that that then, for, for whatever reason, work just catapulted and we were just getting loads of work through the door. Um, and I think it's because people, they, they kind of knew what Smile was about at that point. And so then we built up this portfolio of work and one of the things that we really began to notice is that there's, yes, there's, there's lots of um, projects and they're all for different universities and different needs and things like that. But fundamentally, the requirements are actually largely shared and there's a, there's a lot of similarities between projects and universities and requirements and needs and all that sort of stuff. And I got, I got involved with a community several years back now called WP Campus, which is literally where WordPress and education meet. It's a fantastic community. How have you found it? Because I, I, I spoke to one of the major organisers, Sherry, and I tried to join it, and um, I didn't find it a most welcoming community, actually. I, found, oh, really? I, asked, I tried to ask people on the show, and I got the normal... Um, passive-aggressive response, which is no response. Um, no I, I found it a very um, clicky um, community, basically. Obviously, you're going to disagree with me. But I, thought, uh, <laughs> I, thought, but I thought I would be honest with you. So your experience has been totally different. I I felt with WP Campus that I'd really found like I'd, I'd found my people, I'd found my tribe there. I did I didn't realise there was such a, a a big community around these two things that I was involved with, WordPress and and higher education. And I've had so many positive experiences out of it. And um, yeah, I'm I'm sorry to hear you haven't. Um, it's but yeah, me. it might be me. <laughs> And what, one, oh, one think, of the things I think I'm pretty friendly, and I maybe I I'll, should redouble my attempts to get involved with it. My I'll I'll find you. I'll find you in the Slack and and, and show you some love. Don't worry. Right. Um, the and I, they they run conferences every year. So pre pandemic, they're, they're in person conferences, and I'd, I'd flown out and and kind of attended some of them, and uh, met some really interesting people with with some cool ideas, and um, that that's where I then kind of met my a co founder in a new venture that I'm part of, which is Edupack, and uh, Blake, who who is that person. 
had kind of presented this work that he'd done for Tulane University. I was like, whoa, that's so cool. We've got people coming to us with this same thing. We should we should have a chat and, and see if this can go anywhere between the two of us or whatever. And um, Blake then flew out to the UK later on a holiday. We met for a coffee in Oxford and just one thing led to another. And we were like, oh, yeah, we, we could totally do something. And again, before you know it, here I am doing this thing called EduPack. And, and ultimately, I think it is a collective effort of our experiences in both WordPress and higher ed that are we're trying to fill the gaps in WordPress that higher ed needs day to day. Well, that's really interesting what you just said, because um, as you were saying it, I think there's, that's one of the strengths, but can also be one of the, um, can be a slight negative of the WordPress community. The strength is that you're meeting these people. They could be kind of slightly in the same sector. They could be, they could be competitors, but, there's a more of a community cooperative um, vibe about the WordPress community, which you don't get in other sectors of open source or uh, more traditional software models. Um, but the only problem is you can also lose focus on your own agency and go go into these cooperative and they suck a lot of time and and they don't make um you can't make a living out of it basically yeah. um yeah. what's your own do you think there's anything in what i've just said and that how have you balanced that out yourself i, I mean it, it, the balancing act is is apt you know it is very difficult to to balance that both of those interests and with with edupat we kind of made this decision pretty early on to basically put a year of work into free um, and, and build out uh, work with with educators and, and marketers and developers to understand the needs that, that we could help them with. Um, I think I'm fortunate in as much as the two projects that I'm working on, i.e. Smile and EduPack, they're not they're not that different from one another. There's definitely ways in which they complement one another. So the learnings that I learn in EduPack, for example, only enhances what I take back to the team at Smile. Um, so so long as they're not completely, you know, in complete juxtaposition of, of, of one another, um, yes, it's a balancing act, certainly of time. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have a fantastic team around me at Smile that I can uh, get to help me with tasks that I may not be able to to do because my focus is drawn somewhere else. Um, but also I hope that I'm contributing a lot of extra value in bringing that stuff from EduPack back into Smile too. One of the things about the Tavern article that was slightly, I wouldn't say confusing, but I thought this is only my personal take on the actual piece, Nathan, is, mm. and um, I'm, I'm pretty much, and I, I've said this publicly a few times, I love the Jet, don't get me wrong, I love the Jetpack team as mm-hmm. a group of people. When, you, when we could go to WordCamps, um, I always they were always there, and I found them some of the coolest um, people at WordCamps and the most <laughs> generous in their time. But as a platform, I despise Jetpack. I absolutely despise it with a passion. I think it's one of the biggest load of crap in the WordPress ecosystem. 
Can you seem to be pitching um, in your two jetpack? And I thought, this is a shame. This is <laughs> this is craziness in its highest. Why would you want to pitch yourself <laughs> to something that's total crap? Um, um, I don't know if I, you know, you seem to be laughing and taking it in the right spirit, but... Can you explain, has your position changed or do you feel I'm totally uh, incorrect in what I'm saying? Because um, a lot of people do totally disagree with me. Uh, I um, your, your position is not uncommon, I must add, um, particularly in the HE community. Uh, the, the, and before Jetpack made quite a lot of changes, you know, the kind of bloatware perception was... was was definitely rife. I don't, I don't have um I don't have an opinion either way necessarily on Jetpack. What what I think I quite like about Jetpack is the sustainability of its business model to some extent. Um and that that's something that initially we we we're very keen to look at and replicate. Um, we spoke to some great people in uh, automatic from Newspack and stuff like that as well, uh, which is kind of um, similar-ish type of uh, affair but and so actually more of our influences are taken from things like Newspack but not not so many people know Newspack as they do Jetpack I suppose um, but our, our, our take is is constantly evolving I was in a Slack discussion today about you know how do we how do we make all of this happen uh, we want to we want to be really sure that it's about it's not about people we don't want to be exclusionary to the point where EduPack is only for people that can afford it. We we want to make it so that everybody can can use EduPack, um, but we also want a way to be financial financially yeah, sure. sustainable you, as well. Are you questioning your linkage with Jetpack a little bit more, or are you still committed to, to um, having this linked to the hip to Jetpack? Oh, oh no! There's there's no there's no link to Jetpack. Um, I think uh, more than anything, that's where we've drawn inspiration from how we might run uh, the business side of things. But th- th- at least now, there's there's lots of different avenues that are on the table that we're exploring, and we run monthly. We call them brain trusts. Uh, we run monthly brain trusts with uh, higher ed professionals every month. And, you know, they're, they're really keeping us grounded. We like to get the feedback from them. Uh, they tell us how how they want it to work and we build features uh, and, and our approach around them. So the, the Jetpack kind of model was just the starting point away back now. And now we're being led by we're being led by the sector um, and, like I say, constantly developing. We've got this kind of stretch goal, if you like, to have something in uh, our cloud offer launched later this year. Right. Um, but, like I say, we're, we're just constantly reassessing. It's definitely, it's definitely needed because um, people are not aware of some of the most popular platforms in are very open source or quasi-commercial they're either very old, very basic, or they're very, very basic and very, very expensive. <laughs> uh, um, uh, people will be aghast about oh. what the tools that are out there, aren't they? Uh, the, the, one of the driving factors was 
You know, it costs, on average, a university $15,000 to create a microsite. And it shouldn't. <laughs> it just shouldn't. Um, well, there's, uh, some, so, there's some reasons to that that are not only about technology, which we're going to be discussing in the bonus content. Maybe. Yeah, uh, this, um, is, this is true. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 you know, the, there's... I think today's technology can afford a lot of pace and there's some there are definitely some cultural changes that can happen in the sector and things like that. But also I think that um, there are some definite ad- advantages that we can implement that immediately will help universities and colleges to be more prolific in their content generation. Right, we're going to wrap up the podcast part of the show. Nathan's going to stay on for our bonus content you can watch the bonus content and the whole interview on the WP Tonic Facebook page and also join us on the WP Tonic Facebook Mastermind group page where um, you'll be able to see our live Friday show, our outrageous roundtable show. You'll also be able to see my personal rants against certain individuals in the WordPress community and in tech in general. I know you find that very entertaining. And you can also join our newsletter and really be part of the tribe. Um, like I say, go to WP Tonic Backlink newsletter and also sign up for our newsletter uh, and really get the inside scoop about my views and that. Um, Nathan, how can people find out more about you and more about Smile? Well, the easiest way is to go to wearesmile.com. Uh, you can find out about us there. And there should be links to all the different places that you can find out about us. Um, LinkedIn, we run lots of LinkedIn live streams and things like that there. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely recommend that people go and visit us on wearesmile.com. That's fantastic. We'll see you next week. Remember, go over to the WP Tonic Facebook page and watch the bonus content. We'll be back next week. I'll be back with my great looking and more intelligent co-host, Stephen, next week. And we got some, uh, I know I say this, but actually in the next two months, we got some, like Nathan, but we got some real heavy hitters and fantastic guests coming on the show. I I think you're going to be blown away with the interviews and we're finishing um, heart well and strong to the end of the new year. We'll be back next week with another great interview. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.